Hey, my name is Kat, and I'm in New York City. I know four people, four or five, five, potentially six people who have been infected. And um, my dreams are getting more vivid and surreal and strange. The other night I had this dream that I had a dalliance with Putin. <laughs> kind of a nightmare, actually. And um, it's it's kind of um, vague at this point, but I guess because I was American, I think it all started because I saw the video of Putin in the hospital putting the hazmat suit on. And um, they were trying to keep me away from Putin because I'm American and the coronavirus is we have many more cases here than Russia and Russia's doing a really good job at keeping the coronavirus out. Yeah. So that's it. How embarrassing. Oh, it's me, Darby. Uh, this is a show mostly about how people are coping through the coronavirus crisis. There are lots of shows out there featuring experts and facts and figures and news and all that stuff. This is not that show. This is just me talking with people I know about how they're getting through this stuff. That voice you heard at the top was my friend Kat with a dream that she sent to me a while ago, actually. I think kind of like late March. Oh, how things have changed in Russia since Putin put on that hazmat suit, huh? Anyway, thank you, Kat. I'll post um video. I'll post the hazmat <laughs> video because it's ridiculous. Um, but I will also post an article about the latest news from Russia. And I hope, Kat, that your dreams are better uh, these days. Although if they're if you're anything like me, they're probably still pretty wild. Last night, I dreamt that my friend Loy, who's also a cycling coach, um, and I went to Cycle, which is a boutique studio here in London that I sometimes attend. So we walked in and we were surprised that they were open because they were actually one of the first gyms in London to take it upon themselves to close down. Um, anyway, when we got there, we were dismayed to see all these people of different ages. There were like kids' classes and grown-up classes. They were like doing yoga and Tabata and all types of exercising, just all jammed in together. And somehow I got separated from Loy. And then this kid, this boy, I'm going to say he was like maybe 10 or 12 years old. And he looked like he could be like a little rascal or something. You know, like he like he looked like he was maybe from the 50s or 60s with like a flat top haircut. Anyway, he shoved me against the wall face first and started like breathing, like panting really hard on my back and I was just freaking out because he knew he was positive he said he told me he was positive and he was trying to give me the virus um and then I don't know you know how dreams are so weird the next thing I can remember is that I was I was fighting for a bike and I got onto one but it wasn't really working correctly and then some dude came along and like shoved me off the bike and then I I guess I just gave up and walked out to the, to the lobby where my kettlebell <laughs> <laughs> Kamala, you've heard me talk about her before, was there waiting for me out in the lobby. And I just stayed in the lobby and like worked out with my kettlebell so that I could just hear the music and kind of feel the energy of the class. But I wasn't happy about being there. I was still really scared. And why I didn't just leave, uh, I don't know. Dreams, man. They're weird. Um, anyway, on the show today is teaching artist and mom, Kara Green Epstein, giving us the lowdown on what it's like to suddenly be an elementary school teacher and what it's like out in Chicago. But before we get there, da -da 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 -da, three good things. 
These are three things that made me smile since the last time we spoke, even though I feel pretty bad most of the time. Today, we actually have three good things and one pretty bad thing. I'll explain why when we get there, but um, the good stuff first. Number one, the boss bitch fight challenge. You may be one of the like over 2 million people who have seen this video, but I think it's the best thing on the internet at the moment. Stunt double Zoe Bell, who's doubled for the Xenar Warrior Princess, I can't remember her name, and um, she doubled Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. So she got some of her friends together. So and by friends, I mean like other stunt ladies and um, actresses. And they made something that is um, super fun. And I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to spoil all of the like delightful surprises in the video. But watch closely because you recognize a bunch of these people. Um, so I'll just, uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil it. So I'm just going to post a link and I will leave it there. Number two, Alex Jones sizing up his neighbors to decide which one would be best on the grill. He literally threatens, I'll eat your ass, <laughs> clearly, uh, completely unaware of the irony of those words coming out of the mouth of a man who once had a meltdown over the government turning the frogs gay. In this video, he's, I guess he's, I don't know, I don't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch the lead up to the, to the part about eating his neighbors, but he's basically saying, don't think I'm not sizing up my neighbors, and it, it gives me no joy to size up my neighbors, but I'm looking around to see who, which one I'm going to eat first. Don't think I won't eat you. I, my daughters will not starve. I'll eat your ass. I'll eat your ass. Um, I'm going to try to find a link that doesn't give him a click because that guy is awful, but you have to see it because, you know. <laughs> As awful as he is, it's also hilarious. Number three, first person essay written by um, fellow New York actor and a former colleague of mine, Danny Burstein, written after he came through COVID-19. Now, this is not all sunshine and smiles. It's not all smiles, this article. It's kind of hard to read because it gives a pretty um, harrowing account of what he went through. But thankfully, his story does have a happy ending. And the gratitude that he shows to his care team is quite touching. He also he also um, shares something that I didn't know about the Broadway closure, but he, he's in Moulin Rouge right now. And the day that um, not him, but one of his other his fellow company members uh, went to the doctor to get tested with symptoms um, for the coronavirus COVID-19, the producers came, called an emergency meeting and shut the show down while they had people lining up outside to come in and see a matinee. So the staff at the Hirschfeld or the bosses at the Hirschfeld and Moulin Rouge put their staff before their profits, which of course not all bosses are doing. So I will post a link to that article in the show notes as well. Speaking of bosses and profits, the last article that I want to share with you comes from a New York City subway operator. And it's 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 just shitty how these people are being treated and how neglected these workers are. They're not getting their stuff for PPE. They don't have any way to comply with the hand washing standards. They're forced to be in close proximity with people who aren't wearing masks like the bus drivers are begging management to allow them to have passengers come in through the back instead of 
through the front. If I remember, remember New York buses um, correctly, they don't even have like protection around the drivers. They're just right there. It's not like a London bus where they're in their little bubbles. And by the way, having people come in through the back is something that London did like from the get of this thing. That was one of the first things they changed was that bus riders go in through the back door and there's no, you don't have to tap in with your card or your phone or anything. So, so there's no contact and there's nobody anywhere near the drivers. So it's not just MTA workers, but this this article features so many of the people who are unseen who are actually keeping the city running. So I call on you to read the article, especially if you're somebody that is getting frustrated and impatient about things being closed down. I feel you. I get it. I feel that way too. But it's not just about us. I just, you know, doing this show has laid bare to me once again how privileged I and my social circle are. It's like the essential workers that I know are are like doctors and nurses and cops and firefighters, people who are too freaking tired to come on this stupid show and talk about their experiences. But it it's not gone unnoticed by me or that I have not featured anyone like that yet. And I get it. I, th- I know that I should. And I hope that I can fix that in the weeks ahead. But in the meantime, here is Kara. Kara was just teasing me about saying the word sorted, but I will say that I have been using that term now for nigh on 10 years because I picked it up from my Kiwi husband. And now I say things like, oh, it's all sorted. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to fit in. (laughs) I've started saying, (laughs) I've started um, using the words, words like whilst and bugger off. Wild just sounds fancy, but bugger off. I mean, that yeah. sounds legit. No, it's good. And and you can use the word cunt here, and and it's and and people don't freak out. It's great. That's so funny. I I got a little nervous when you said it. You said it, and my heart was like, oh my god, self <laughs> aggressive. I mean, I mostly and, use it, I mostly use it when referring to myself, um, because lately I've been. So I I have a lot of cunty moods. I'm not going to lie. So so say your name for the people and tell me where you are. Hi, I'm Kara, Kara Green Epstein, and I am in Chicago, Illinois, United States. My first question for everybody on this show is just how are you feeling today right now? I want you to kind of like close your eyes, scan both your body and your emotional state and give me a what we used to call a sati check-in on both of those things. How are you feeling in your body? How are you feeling in your heart? My body is feeling alert and tight. Hmm. Like I'm aware of tightness sort of in my hips and across my shoulders. I'm sitting cross-legged and it's morning for me and aware of tightness. My heart feels really open hmm. and um, and vulnerable. Maybe because I knew I was having this call, I woke up on my own earlier than normal. And so I had some quiet time to myself that I don't normally have in the morning, which I am aware is super important for me. I think of myself as like an extrovert and always meeting people and needing to talk and do all of that. But one of the things that this bizarre quarantine has taught me is that alone time is actually also really important to me in making sure that I'm not cunty. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I am. Um, so my husband and I 
uh, have, um, thank God, kind of like different circadian rhythm, awake time and yearning for sleep time. So I usually, I'm, a, I'm an early, you know, I'm an early morning person. So I always get up probably about two hours before he does. So I have some time to myself before he wakes up. And then he gets his like solitude time in the evening because I usually go to bed earlier than him. Although, man, lately uh, my sleep schedule is just all kinds of fucked up because my friends, my, most of my friends, the people that I want to do Zoom calls with or people that I want, you know, like there was the, the Prince thing that happened a couple nights ago and I wanted to watch that live. And so I've been, I've been staying up way later than usual or going to bed and then setting an alarm to get up to do something mm -hmm. with my friends and then it's just oh man it's just it's completely messed up my you know just my routine so so one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is that you are I, I haven't had anybody on yet who has little kids and how old how, yeah. old how old are your kids they are six and a half and nine and a half first and third grade so you suddenly have them home home if suddenly now you're a teacher which I think you were kind of a teacher before. I, I, I'm a teaching artist. So I do like teaching artist work, like with Steppenwolf Theater Company and Looking Glass Theater Company and that kind of stuff. But, um, but I've, never, I've never taught first and third grade before and, and the standard subjects. Yeah, so I should back up a little bit and tell, um, tell all you guys who don't know both of us that Kara and I met, God, what year was it? Like 2002, 2003? Two? Yeah. I'm going to say 2002, maybe. So we did a show together down at the Flea Theater in New York City, which um, was a, um, a place started by um, Jim Simpson and his wife. You may have heard of her, Sigourney Weaver, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, and I think that the story, I think the story, um, the way that that theater came into being is that Sigourney had a big year. Like she had an, one of the alien movies came out or something. Yeah. And they were trying mm -hmm. to avoid a, a massive tax bill and so they were like what 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 can we do let's uh let's let's make a theater and i think of all the friendships that have come out of that theater not just you know you and me and all the people that we met at you know during our year or two there but man the bat theater company is a uh a special group of folks i would say would it you agree sure is. It's our, yeah it's it's uh all of the non-equity folks, for those who don't know, all of the, the actors who aren't in the union, the bat company was sort of the place that, like, if you weren't in the union, but you were a bat, things were looking good for you. Yeah. And so a lot of people who came through that company have um, have done lots of cool stuff and are also just lots of, you know, good people. Yeah, so... So speaking of the bat theater company and and part of part of being a bat was that we had jobs to do around the theater like um like cleaning the bathroom or um working mm -hmm. as working as a bartender uh for one of the you know one of the fancier shows like that that at the time that you and I were there Sigourney John Lithgow and um, Danny Burstein who thank God has just come through corona coronavirus oh. I I don't um Oh, yeah, he had a real rough go, and I'm gonna. I'll, I'll post a link to an article that he wrote about what what he has endured. But so we were there, you know. Um, I'm I'm I think I'm about 
10 or 15 years older than you, but most of the most of the bats were very, very young. I, for whatever reason, the show that we did required some older people. And so Jerry. Well, and you are, and you are so old in in what your (laughs) mid thirties or something. I think I'm the oldest. That was no Jerry was the oldest. Jerry, um, I can't remember his last name, but Jerry was like old enough to have like serious gray hair. I think I was like thirty five, thirty six, somewhere in there. Um, but Didn't I'll never seem old then. And now you're like, oh, I was such a baby. <laughs> but but I do remember, Kara. I remember uh, you may or may not remember this conversation, but you said something. You said something to me at one point about how much uh, how much you guys all like looked up to me, and you're like, I don't know if it's just because you're so much older than the rest of us. <laughs> oh no! Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Oh, I'm 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 entering middle age. It's 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 true. Oh my god! Well, well, that makes sense. That karma has come back to me now in my own old age. So, so we're really here to talk about like what, what all the stuff that's going on in the world right now and how you are um, enduring it. Tell me what a typical day is like for you now, from morning to night. My family, despite the kind of day that we had today, my we sleep in. We're 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 a night owly family. We wake up around eight if we set an alarm, but like nine if we let ourselves go normally. Um, my kids um, run to their small screens because we have hours for when they can be small screens like iPads, people's phones, that kind of stuff. Then my husband and I putz around. He gets up a little bit earlier. He's a professor. He's created an office for himself in the storage room. So he goes there and records lectures and does uh, Zoom classes and gets ready down there. And then at 10, I call the kids in and we start our quote unquote school day, which starts with like a morning meeting on the whiteboard. And so the whiteboard has four questions on it for morning meeting. What's today's date? What's today's weather? What are you interested in? My first grader is very into dude perfect which is upsetting to me but I it's all right and you know I try not to be that parent who's like oh you kids and your rock and roll I don't know that show but but it sounds just the name tells me it's terrible it's like four like white guy bros five white guy bros in Texas who do like ridiculous sports stuff oh so it's like jack was it jackass it's kind of jackassy, but it's not about getting hurt. Hmm. It's just about like doing crazy. Like they did dizzy races and then saw like who could hit a golf ball the farthest or who could do this. Their names are literally like Cody, Corey, Kobe, Tyler, and Garrett. Oh, I ha- I hate them so much, and I've never even seen I them. I hate them. They're, I'm they're, they're actually very <laughs> lovely people. It's just the whole vibe I can't do. But anyway, he really likes that. My dad is really into these gotcha videos anime I think from South Korea she's watching those anyway I was really ambitious at the beginning so the way that it works in Chicago is they shut down schools but we didn't have any learning plan until last week so we did four weeks of school without any plan so I was sort of like making stuff up all of my friends who had kids in private schools were online and doing zoom learning or google classroom that kind of stuff really early Uh, we are really big proponents of public school, but when you have a public school system that has like, you know, half a million kids in it, 
and a lot of kids who don't have access to the internet, to devices, um, you are looking for equity in teaching. And so yeah. it took the Chicago school system some time to figure that out. And now they're doing a really great job. Now they've like loaned like 100,000 laptops to students across the city. And now I get lesson plans from the teachers. I still have to teach them because we're still not doing any of you know sort of the Zoom or online classes that you've seen for elementary school at our school. And this was something that my daughter said to me yesterday. She was like, you know, we never really had a schedule before. We're a, we're a family who's late <laughs> places. You know, my kids <laughs> always be like, how late are we? As opposed to like, is are, are we there on time? They'll be like, how late are we today? <laughs> like, not very late. We're only five minutes late. This is like a vestige of my childhood where once I showed up for a birthday party a week late, the mom looked at my mom and was like, this party was last week. I'm so the opposite. I showed up exactly one. So this is, I'm, I'm going to do a little name dropping here, but I was invited to Rachel Maddow's um, wife's um, art opening and I invited this mm-hmm. guy that I had a huge crush on who was who was also pretty fancy himself and it was Christmas time and so we got all dressed up we show up it was for the following Friday I've never been so uh, fucking mortified maybe. in my life because I was the one who asked him out it was awful it was so embarrassing anyway oh my god go on so you're oh a, so, god, so you're a late so family <laughs> so we're a late family so we we're like it, I'm sure to my kids, it feels like we don't ever have a schedule, right? Because, and also we're doing different things, and I'm kind of spontaneous. Where like, if a new idea comes up, I'm like, oh, let's try that. But now we're like in our house, and and so we have a schedule. And then we will do either after, before we dive into the school day, or after we'll do like the special subject of the day, hmm. which could be anything from like early on. I did a thing about colors where we made a color wheel. And, so that was like one of the things we did. But we also did um, one that's been really helpful is we did a self-care day as our theme mm. where we all wrote down things that make us feel good, like make our hearts feel good, make our bodies feel good. And we put them on post-it notes mm. and we have them hanging up in our kitchen. And at any time, someone is welcome to grab a post-it note and put it on their schedule and to opt out of something in order to do one of those self-care things. And that's actually been a really helpful tool. I love that idea. I love that idea. Yeah, it's pretty, I, I'm a really, um, I'm a really big fan of it. It's really great. It's really helpful for me. Like, mm. I'll be like, I... I'm not feeling good. And then I can just go to this list that I made when I was feeling good. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, when you're not feeling good, it's hard to remember, like, what makes me feel good? Or or why do I want to do that? And then you can just, like, pick something. Like, sometimes it's drink a glass of water. Or sometimes it's sit down and meditate for five minutes or stretch or go on a walk. Um, lots of different things that that can help do something for someone else. Yeah, oh, I was going to say my daughter has really been into home ec. I was thinking about do something for someone else and baking and cooking has been a big thing that we've been doing, which is we were a big eaty outy family before. Mm-hmm. But it's been a really nice way also to like do things for our friends. Like we'll make, we're, we're making challah, we're Jewish and so we're making challah every Friday for Shabbat. Mm. and which is not something we ever did before from scratch and by we I mean my husband and my daughter uh and then we'll deliver like a loaf or a couple of other loaves to friends nearby thinking about spending this much time with your family in a concentrated way and seeing them in their school slash work modes are you are you seeing different sides of your family than you ever have before yes 
so I really am not so much of my husband. I mean, we've been together for so long. Um, we've been, we were high school sweethearts. So we've been together as a couple since 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a good sense of that. Though I will say one of the most brilliant things that happened is that we started couples therapy at the beginning of February because I was like, we have some habits that we created when we were 17 that maybe we should evolve. <laughs> and so, um, so we, we, we're going to level up our relationship. And so we started doing couples therapy in February and it was maybe one of the best things that ever happened because now once a week we have zoom therapy and it's so helpful when you're in such tight quarters mm. to be able to have that time to work through things in a really productive, healthy way with someone else has been, I think, invaluable. Um, I don't know, because I've never done quarantine without having therapy once a week, it turns out, but it's really, <laughs> it's really amazing. That worked out really well. Yeah. Um, my kids, I'm really getting to know in a totally new way, and it's pretty awesome. They're two very, uh, very different creatures, but it's been amazing. I, I learned that my son can read which I didn't really know. I mean, I knew he Mm. could do like sounding out words, Mm. but in the last five weeks, um, he's like a reader, reader. He can read, he's reading chapter books now. Having the time and the space to really listen and be present Mm. with them uh, is pretty awesome in a way that I haven't been able to since they were really little. I've been gone a lot for the last three and a half years. So that's been really amazing. It's weird to say that it's been a blessing because obviously there are so many people who are suffering and we have people who have lost people and yeah. um, and I know a lot of people who have and there are also some, there's something about slowing down and really looking and seeing who you have around you, what mm-hmm. your people look like, what your family looks like, what you look like on the inside and really taking stock of, of where you're at. That is very necessary. You might, you said something um, a, f- uh, a couple of minutes ago that I want to go back to because you talked about um, listening and being present in, um, in, in, in conversations with your family. And that brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you and, and that I, I like to ask actors, which is how has your acting training helped you with going through what we're going through right now? Because listening and being present obviously are like two of the most important things for actors to do. Can you think of stuff that you learned in acting school that's helping you survive this like really stressful time? Yes. I think the most important thing, I talk about this all the time, is that uncertainty is is just the the one certainty in our business as being actors and also the one gift that you can go on stage with. I, um, I'll do a moment of name dropping now, but I, <laughs> earlier this week, I, um, I hosted a conversation and interviewed Jeff Perry, who's one of the founders of Steppenwolf and was on Scandal and in the original cast of August. He's so great, right? He's amazing. So he, one of his mentors, who's also a part of the Steppenwolf Ensemble is Austin Pendleton, mm. who's a wonderful director mm-hmm. and playwright and actor. So he was my first acting teacher in New York. And one of the things Jeff talked about how he was really having a hard time unlocking a character. He was working on this play. He couldn't figure it out. And he kissed his kissing like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and Austin was like, well, what's the thing you keep saying? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. What do I keep saying? And Austin was like, exactly. You don't know. And then that's a wonderful place to start. And one of the biggest capacities that I keep coming back to is living with ambiguity. 
living with the idea that issues have more than one side and interpretation, that there's often more than one answer, and that you have to have patience as you allow for a resolution to present itself. Yeah. What's it like um, outside, like on the ground where you are? So I'm in Ravenswood, which is on the north side of Chicago. It's, it's bizarrely not that different and very different. There are less people than there normally normally would be. You can walk in the streets because there's very little traffic or cars anywhere. Um, the stores are all shut down, but we have some grocery stores close to us, so people are walking to those. Um, the biggest thing is we're half a block from our school, and the school is closed, and also the school playgrounds and fields are closed. And mm. so that's a very different thing. We're used to seeing lots of kids and children playing all the time and uh and we're not we're not seeing that and we're all sort of it's interesting I think we're all a little wary of each other or maybe we're what we are is wary of ourselves like am I doing I feel this when I write when I see other people and I'm like I'm trying to take walks every day Mm -hmm. when I'm taking my walks I look around and um when I pass other people my first thought is like am I doing this right do you think that I'm doing this right like am I staying far enough away from you I'm wearing my mask you're not wearing a mask yeah are we not supposed to? No, I'm glad I'm wearing the mask. It's a very bizarre thing. Um, the lots of like big conversations, you can't really, it's hard to have private conversations with people in person because you have to stay away. We're doing lots of like porch to sidewalk conversations. Or So in Chicago, there are these open, Chicago's kind of famous for these open back porches and stairways where you go around the back and mm. um, you, you'll walk upstairs and there'll be like a wooden back porch and then you'll walk up more and there'll be one above and a one above like sort of these three or four story back porches and so um we stood on the stairs of their back porch and they stood at their sliding glass door and we chatted and and my friend Marla is a doctor and so I felt like oh well she's a doctor she'll know it was really interesting though my husband was really uncomfortable like got really nervous how aware are your children of what of what exactly is going on? They're pretty aware of it. My daughter does not like to talk about it. She doesn't want to talk about coronavirus. She got really mad about it in the beginning. And anger for her is a way of like covering up fear. Um, and so she can't hear if she's mad. So you have to sort of wait for her to calm down. So we've let it come in in bits and pieces. Don is much more uh, able to sort of hear the whole story of what's happening. Um, so they know a lot about what's happening. They don't know about like the, we don't talk about like the death that's happening, yeah. Yeah. but they understand like the, the biology of what coronavirus is. There are some great resources out there, Brain Pop and some other things. So they've watched it. So they understand like the science behind it and, and while, why we're keeping each other safe. They're all, we're all like-minded. Everyone's doing basically the same things. We're all taking care of each other and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's much more challenging when, when you are on the other end of, I mean, it's so bizarre that the scientific disease is political but like yeah. I don't know if it's like I mean I guess it is like that in in London and England right but like I mean we're not having we're not having like the protests here that's um, it's it's actually people I think in Europe in general and the UK is you know its own story because we did have Brexit but I think in general thought here is of the greater good is it you know it's we're, it's not a socialist country but it's it's more socially um, con-
conscious and considerate. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, until the lockdown happened, pubs were full. People were going to restaurants. It wasn't them. You know, people weren't staying home. People are very, very good for the most part in the parks about getting out of the way, with the exception of the occasional asshole jogger. That uh, right. Those are the ones that drive me nuts because they come up behind me, and I'm like, I can't. I don't have eyes in the back of my head, you asshole. Um, if yeah. you, if when people are coming to each other and their eye, you know, make eye contact, we always move apart. That part's really good. Yes. Um, I am seeing a, the occasional group of kids out on the common. I'm like, I don't think all you guys live together, but maybe they do. Cause you know, uh, my husband has someone who works for him who lives in a flat with eight other women. Like, you know, that's, right. it's, it's not, it's not dissimilar to New York where you have, young people who are living you know in really close quarters we've got that we've got the flat next door to us last weekend i noticed that there was like loud music coming from their flat and this, this was at about midnight because i was up having one of these zoom calls with somebody in new york and i opened <laughs> i opened the window and I, I i wasn't being a bitch about it but i just stuck my head out and i could see that there was like disco lights going on in their flat and they were dancing and they were bouncing up and down and i was like i don't think there's it didn't seem like they were having a party but it kind of seemed like they were having a party and one of them noticed at me and they were uh-huh. like, oh, they, then they opened their window. And I'm like, oh, so, so sorry. We'll shut the window. We'll turn the music down. I'm like, I'm not mad about that. I just want, I just want to know that you all live there. You know, <laughs> um, I didn't yeah. say that, but I was just like, I was just like, guys, I just, I, I almost put a note under their door the next day to say, guys, I wasn't pissed about the music. Like go nuts, be young, dance, do your thing. But I just want to know that you all live there and that you're not having a fucking party. I'm just going to jump in here and tell you that I have, since the time of this recording, met the kids who live next door, and they do all live there. Um, it's kind of a funny story because a couple of them have just had literally just moved from Australia um, over here a week before the lockdown happened, but there's five of them living in the flat. They do a different kind of theme party every weekend, and they do it does get a little raucous. <laughs> But they all live there. We met them, Kelvin and I, um, as anybody who follows us on Facebook or Instagram knows, we occasionally sit out by our garbage bins and have a beer because that's our only outdoor space. And um, last, I think it was Saturday, they kind of popped their head over the fence and we had a little chat and they apologized profusely, again, still thinking that I would, that I had been upset about the music. Um, and I assured them that, of course, that was not the case. Um, so anyway, it's all good. They all live there. It's fine. Back to Kara. I know. Well, my friend, so one of my friends has this very social block. Every house has kids. And her block, she texted us like three weeks in and she was like, you guys, there's like a full on happy hour block party happening on my block. She's like, people's kids are playing with each other. Like my kids are like, you know, we're in my house and like their faces are like pressed against the window. You know, why can't we go outside? They understand why they can't go outside, but also like they're watching and she's like, I don't know what to do. She's like, should I call the cops? I'm like, do you want me to call the cops for you? Like what is happening? But the interesting thing was then she texted back a week later and she was like, someone must have called them because the cops showed up on our street this week and like went door to door being like, we heard that you're not really social distancing. Um, And so that's like, a big thing. I mean, you know, the big problem in Chicago and the big problem in general, but Chicago is a good example of this because Chicago is such a segregated city economically, mm-hmm. racially, in all ways. It's, it's really stunning. Uh, the difference between the North and the South side in many ways. Health privilege you have also yeah. on, on the North side where I live. Like there are so many hospitals near me, but also people who are, we don't have, you know, not a ton of, of um, essential workers in the way of like grocery stores and uh, delivery people and all that kind of stuff. But on the majority of the cases in Chicago, it's insane. Something like 
I think 30% of the population is Black in Chicago, and like 70 or 75% of our corona cases are from the Black community, um, which is just sort of stunning. Um, And you wonder, it's just... Well, it's just years and years and years of systemic racism that is culminating in this because, yeah, like so many more people um, are unable to work from home. They don't have that. They don't have that option. My MP is black and she and 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 that's that's it's happening over here, too. And she keeps posting. She she keeps tweeting like that. If we don't talk about these cases and also include the racial disparity, we're not covering the story. We're not getting all the information. You know, we're not. And and also not to say that, like, your race is equivalent to your economic state right. but we know that systemic racism has resulted in um in great economic disparity because of the number of you know opportunities that are available advancement that's available accumulated wealth yeah. all of that kind of stuff but the other piece is just straight up um racism in the healthcare industry in ways that mm. we don't often think about Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, what's coming out now is, like, um, a lot of Black patients have been coming in and being sent home, especially mm-hmm. um, especially Black women, with, when they have cases or symptoms are being dismissed or they're not being treated or they're not being tested. And so they're going home. And then when they get really sick, they're coming to the hospital. But now they've also infected, you know, probably they've made their whole community vulnerable to what's been going on. And through no fault of their own, they went to the doctor and they were turned away. Um, And this is, you know, this is representative of this problem that we have where we don't believe, um, we don't believe uh, people of color. We don't believe women often um, when they talk about their pain or their health. Like, where are they on the pain scale? Same reason we see so many black women dying in childbirth in America, you know? It's the same. It's just making, it's just laying that problem even more bare. Okay, so last question, and this is always the last question. What has been the most positive thing that has come out of this um, for you? There are two really positive things that have come out of it for me. The first one is the connection with my family, that sense of connection. And then for me personally, the ability to get quiet hmm. and uh, to be able to detox from my busyness and really look at what I have and what is around and what I want to keep has been a real gift. Well, I think that is a really lovely note to end on. I love you, honey. I love you too. I'll let you know when this is um, ready for human consumption. And that's the show. If you would like to catch up with Kara, I will post links to all of her social feeds in the show notes. And if you would like to catch up with me, my stuff will be there too, along with a donation link if you'd like to support the show and the workouts that I've been popping into the feed occasionally. You guys have been really generous since I started asking for donations last time and have helped make up for some of the income that I've lost from my gym jobs. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next time.